Um, so what the hell's going on, brother Lecrae? What the hell is seriously? You got to know better, bro. And I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but uh, dude, you have seriously got to do some better work. The fact that you're going to defer to grace and humility for the white man, but then you go after your sisters like that, like that. And here's the thing. I ain't trying to high road. All of us always ain't perfect. I get that we are all trying to learn and we're all trying to figure things out. I'm not perfect. I get called out as well. But man, when that stuff comes in, listen, man, seriously. And why take a a, 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 a a spot at the table when you know you're the only one and you got a platform? You know you're like their celebrity black friend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, bruh. We have got to do better. And while I have you on the line, what about our LGBTQ folks, man? Is This can't just be about black men and, 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 and you know, cis hetero stuff. I mean, come on. Please don't tell me you still hung up on thinking LGBTQ stuff is a sin in the Bible. Really? Are we still reading the Bible that narrowly, that dangerously? Man, brother, we got you guys to do better, man. You guys to do better. I invite you to come on my show. Let's have a conversation about all of this. I appreciate your humility. I appreciate that you fact that you, you know, put some videos out and stuff apologizing. But man, that all that stuff could have been avoided. And I could see that, you know, you were thinking about like when old boy was saying, you know, white blessing. But man, you got to jam him up the same way you jammed them sisters up. You got to jam him up, like stop the conversation and be like, what the hell are you talking about, bro? White blessing. The fuck out of here with that shit, man. Seriously, man. And you hip hop, too. Come on, son. Come on, man. Telling you, man, some bullshit, man. It's one of the reasons why I haven't really listened to Christian hip hop. Seriously, and I thought you was coming around too, man. So it's like, come on, bro. You've got to do better. Gots to do better, man. In general, it it at this moment, at this time, don't take that shit, man. Come to us. Come work with us, bro. Shoot. I am glad you told boy, uh, what was it, the Chick-fil-A dude that you wanted shares. That's the kind of shit I'm talking about. But don't defer. Quit giving white evangelicals the benefit of the doubt. They don't fucking deserve it. Seriously. And if you're more offended by my language than what the fuck is going on, bro, I don't know what to tell you, man. You may just have to be part of the problem. Come on, man. Let's do this shit. Jesus uttered these words 2,000 years ago. How are they going to beat ISIS? I don't think it's going to happen. But but he has these bizarre ideas about what Christianity stands for and what it means. Atomic bombs and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he does, you will no longer be a homosexual, but you will be a heterosexual. And that's what it means to be white. To say that you're standing on your own ground and standing on somebody else's and then mystify the whole process. This is Profane Faith a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Oh, man. All right, y'all. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome back to uh, 
Profane Faith. It's your host, of course, Daniel White Hodge, um, Dr. Daniel White Hodge, in case some of you are new to this, uh, just so you know. <laughs> um, man, there's there's a lot to cover. There's a lot of shit to cover today. Um, uh, for those of you who are new to this or maybe you listening, um, I, you know, this is an ongoing podcast. You can check it out, whitehodgepodcast.com. You can look at wherever you subscribe to your podcast, you can you know, check out the feed and, you know, go back and, and, and hear and check out, you know, the, the essence and premise of this podcast. I'm not going to explain all that here, but just for those who, who are new, I realize every week we get some new listeners. And so I do thank you for that. And thank you for checking this out. This is your first time. Again, I strongly recommend going to the website, whitehodgepodcast.com and just do some tooling around or if you want to go to whitehodge.com do some tooling around and you can check out and get some background info um man i tell you again once again um the week is no less filled with bullshit um and here we are again having a conversation around race and white evangelicalism i think you know what gets me here is on several levels in regards to i mean here you got lecrae with a platform of whom i thought was getting to a point where he was you know starting to kind of wake up to some of these things i get that you know money has been a part of this conversation i get that um i get that you know uh you know, I get that white audiences. I mean, part of the problem is, is that, right, you know, we have to go to our oppressors to ask them for money. You know, most of us or a lot of us, I should say, um, are beholden to white money. Um, and that's just, again, as a result of systemic racism and whatnot. Um, and so we always have to be careful of what we say. I get that Lecrae, a big portion of people who have bought your stuff is, you know, or white folks, man. I mean, I've been to your concerts. I've seen, you know, little white kids going nuts for you, man. Um, so I, I get that. But that's no excuse. No excuse not to stand up in the face of bullshit. Especially bullshit to white men, right? And and not dig into them on a platform. Not a side conversation. And that's why I said stop giving white evangelicals and really white evangelicalism in general the benefit of the goddamn doubt because it doesn't deserve it. It doesn't want it. It doesn't receive it. And every time we do give it, we come out looking like goddamn fools, right? Um, and I'm just, I, it just, it sickens me to see a video that, uh, you know, talking about a white blessing, that shit needed to be called out right then and there. And if anything, walk off the goddamn stage. Being like, fuck that, man. White blessing, for real? That's where we're going? And come out them white boys the same with the same visceral reaction that you have that you went after Austin Channing, that you blocked Dr. Anthea Butler with, right? Fuck out of here with that, man. So I'm just, I'm to the point now where it's just, I'm beyond frustrated. I'm glad it's the summer session because I... I don't, I don't have any tolerance right now for, for white foolishness. Um, and I don't know what that means. You know, <laughs> school comes back in session. It's like, I can have certain amounts and levels of tolerance for students. Um, but man, it's, it's right now, it's, whew, especially within religious, uh, uh, spaces. Um, because I do think, you know, people were talking about, you know, for those of you, 
um, you know, who haven't checked it out, I'll put some of these links in the, uh, you know, in the, in the notes. Um, but, you know, people talking about how I think actually I think it was Killer Mike who just said, you know, like white, you know, Christianity is basically suppressed and been used by the oppressor. Um, I Yes, <laughs> it has. That version of Christianity absolutely has, which is why I reject it in all of its form. And in fact, it is demonic. It is a it's spiritual warfare when you start to begin and think about where white Christianity has been and, and what it has done. It has taken people slaves. It has destroyed a language. Now, again, I've done several podcasts on looking at Christianity as a black religion, as a person of color's religion. It's been co-opted. Now, that's not to say Christianity is the best religion and the only way to understand who God is. It's one form of that. Let's just, that's just you know, let's, let's, let's just be clear um, on that. But I will say that, you know, since most of my theology falls within a Christian realm, um, it is very much an Afrocentric perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I will say that. So I think oftentimes these conversations come up, right, about, you know, folks being, you know, lulled to sleep by uh, black or by, by white white theology and in white Christianity. And I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I don't want to necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater. Christianity has its problems, but that's almost every religion. Every religion has its problems, um, which is why I get why, you know, certain folks are Gnostic. Certain folks are atheists. Certain folks just say, I don't want anything to do with religion um, because that is, there is a sense of brutality that happens within religious domains. And I think part of that is that we're sort of witnessing that, you know, when we see these conversations, um, you know, such as the one that, you know, Lecrae is having with Giglio and um, old Kathy, you know, Dan Kathy or whatever, you know, whatever the Chick-fil-A dude is. Um, because, you know, we're not even addressing the human sexuality piece, right? We're not even addressing the shit that, that has to do, right? Because that's the thing. It's like, Right now, we're so wrapped up with like, okay, black man getting killed, black man getting killed. Absolutely, absolutely, we got to have that conversation. But here's here's the other part of the conversation that we got to have. What about LGBTQ folks who are, are, are struggling in that, right? And this is where religion begins to oppress because there's so many people of color, especially black folk, right, who still believe LGBTQ folk, right, is a choice. It is uh, a sin and that God can somehow magically heal you out of that. And I just, again, I reject that wholeheartedly. It's complete bullshit. It's a narrow, very narrow and dangerous view interpretation of the Bible. So it consequently gets left out of conversations and all we're focused on. And I'm just here to say, look, if all you're focused on is white and black racism, you're not doing the work of equality and anti-racism. Let me just put that clear, right? If all you're focused on is just, you know, one specific part of it, as, as opposed to looking at all the people, not just a particular subset, but all the people of color, black trans folks, black queer folks, black gay folks, all that. If we're looking, we're looking at all that, then we can kind of begin to move forward in certain ways, right? When we still have policies and rules to change, but it's like, man, I hear all the time, right? We get caught up. People sending me right now statements about, hey, Dr. Hodge, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And my response is, it's like, okay, that's cool. Talk about white supremacy, but also talk about misogyny. Talk about some of that stuff because that shit is going on right now. What about your boy, Chris Hewitt or whatever, however the fuck you say his last name, right? You got this little bitch out there trying, and, and, and not even trying, but he is assaulting women. And this has been going on for 
years. And it's like you get the worst fucking people, put them into leadership, right? And then this is what happens. So no, I'm not just going to stand for just, you know, just black male racism and, uh, you know, and then call it a day at that. No, fuck that. So I doubt Lecrae is listening. <laughs> uh, but if you are, bruh, hit me up. Come at me, bro. Let's have a conversation. I'll send you all my books. Better yet, you can buy them. And then we'll have a conversation because I know you got the funding to do that. Um, and then we'll have a conversation. <sighs> it's just, I, it, I get tired, man. I get tired. I get tired of the bullshit that continues to just pop up. And when I see shit like this, it drives me nuts. I wasn't even going to have this conversation this week. I had somebody else plan. I got my godson who's a comedian out in Minneapolis doing some amazing work in the Twin Cities. And now we're going to have this, this this conversation. Well, I was lucky to be able to bring my good friend, Dr. Shanika Walker-Barnes, on the show. I literally just texted her out of the blue. Um, and she responded. And this is that's the conversation. So we had a rich conversation. And I'm sure if you're on here, you're, you're, you know, you're like, man, let me fast forward to this. So I'll, I'll get right to it. Um, I'll also say this week I got banned from Twitter. I got put into Twitter jail, too, um, for a comment that they said it was it violated Twitter rules because it was hate speech. All right. This is some bullshit, y'all. It was and it was the response to Dr. Shanika Walker's text, her thread. Basically saying, Lecrae, hey, give give Lecrae my book, copy of my book. And I just said the same thing. I said, yeah, tell that Negro to buy a copy of my book. Here's the link, Hip Hop's Hostile Gospel. And then they flagged that and was like, oh, that's hate speech. Again, these social media platforms owned by white folks, right? The algorithms, we already know this shit. The racism is built into that shit. So I, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a little heated right now. And so, um... Yeah, so if you, you see me not tweet, it's it's you know it's because of that shit. I did appeal it, and but every time I log on, they're like, okay, you can you know you can you can you can basically open your account back up if you just delete the tweet. But by deleting the tweet, it admit you know you basically like it's like what fucking cops do, right? It's like you you admit your guilt, um, and you didn't you know you basically don't have any right to appeal anymore. And I was like, man, fuck that. I'm appealing this shit. I'm I'm gonna fight that shit. And I was just like, dude, your bots picked up on something wrong. Get your shit together, Twitter. Oh, Lord. But if you haven't heard Dr. Barnes and I speak, um, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. You can check that. And if you're still wondering, like, what the hell happened? Um, I'll put the link to the Brother Lecrae's, you know, video, crazy ass video um, and stuff. And so you can kind of look through some of that stuff. You know, if you've kind of just been, you know, I get that some people are just out of social media. I know I've been trying to do that myself. And maybe this is a blessing <laughs> from Twitter to be like, you know, stay the hell off. But uh, nevertheless, here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, listen, enjoy this conversation. Dr. Barnes is amazing because she combines the academy, the church therapy, and it's it's beautiful. And if you haven't read her book, you just got to go read it. You got to go read it. Go check it out. All right, y'all. Check this out. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to happen to me. I know it's coming because it's happened to too many people. Right. Like, and, you know, and it's crazy because they know it's there. I mean, it's been widespread conversation about this. Right. Right. <laughs> and all I was saying was I was even like just promoting my book. I was just like, and they were like, I was like, how is that hate? Like what? Right. What? 
what I mean, all these cats out here talking about how we're going to kill niggas. We're going to, we going to, I'm just like, but yeah. that's hate. That, okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, we can hawk right, right in, Doc. What, uh, yeah. <laughs> I um I I was thrown by this video. Somebody had posted it. I think somebody was writing an article, and I watched it. And honestly, I just I didn't watch the whole thing because I was so disgusted. But um, what were your initial thoughts? I'd love to just you know hear what you thought and just uh, I mean, there's so many layers to this. Is and and you know with Christianity, you have. Lecrae, who's deferring to grace and God and prayer for the white man, yet he goes in on black women and is snarky and blocks, uh, you know, Dr. Anthea Butler. I mean, it's like, what, hey, what's going on here? So yeah. I, I'd love to hear just your thoughts on that. Yeah. So the first thing I saw was the the clip. Right. Um, and I didn't catch it. I guess the night it came out, you know, I kind of get up in the morning, look at social media and it's like you get up in the morning, you see social media and you realize there's like new white evangelical foolishness. Right. right. Like every morning. <laughs> right. <laughs> just right. Like, OK, what did they do now? <laughs> right. Right. And so I saw all these responses and I saw, you know, white blessings that was trending. And I'm like, what? And Lecrae, those are both trending. And I'm trying to figure out what is going on. So first I right. watched the clip um, and the clip first, the, the setup was horrible. And, you know, yeah. and I say it was set up from the beginning. Um, you have this conversation on racism with Louis Giglio, with Dan Cathy, who I, I don't even understand why he was present <laughs> right and look right right, right. Um, and so the whole thing is a setup from the beginning and they explained that dr bernice king was supposed to be there and couldn't make it which to me the appropriate thing to do at that time yeah cancel it yes yes right? yeah. <laughs> you cannot have a faithful conversation about racism when nobody on that stage is an expert on racism right <laughs> so <laughs> Right. You can't it, right? I mean, and think about the logic of that. Think about, okay, let's just look at just basics. Let's think about, okay, we're going to talk about how we uh, frame a house. But you got nobody on there who knows anything about construction or carpentry, but you assume it, right? I mean. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and, and this is not to bash Lecrae because I think Lecrae is well-read, especially yes, as yes. a musician. I think he's well-read. I think he is truly trying to understand this stuff. Um, but if the conversation is about racism, at the most, he would have been a kind of side note, bringing it in from a non-academic, um, non-activist standpoint, although yes. he is getting more into activism, right? But... So, yeah, the optics were bad from the beginning. Yes. Um, and there was no way they were ever going to have a good conversation about race with that setup. Um, and so I think, you know, the way they framed it um, and um, the conversation about um, who gets to the table, who, sh who I would say it's not about just who's invited to the table, it's who's building the table. Exactly. Right? And so um, Louis Giglio really did not have the, the, the right, I think, to host that conversation. Right. If anything, he could have provided the platform. He could have reached out to uh, black leaders in the church and said, who needs to be in this conversation? Um, and, and I'll help use my platform to amplify their voices. But my role here is to sit and listen. And so really, Louis Giglio and Dan Cathy should have said almost nothing the whole time. 
They should have sat there and been listening to people of color. Yeah. Uh, and Dan Kathy shouldn't have been on the stage. He should have been in the audience listening to people. I, I really don't get why he was there. He's he said nothing constructive. Right. He was he was playing he was playing games uh, <laughs> with the whole shiny shoes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, from the beginning, the optics were bad. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, and you know, and so this gets to so I think you know the first mistake. Lecrae made was allowing himself to be put in that space. Right. Um, I think very often we want to speak into spaces and we feel like, okay, God has opened up a platform for me to talk to somebody, connect to somebody. Just because a table has been set does not mean we need to be there. Yes. Um, at some tables, they are serving poison. Right. Right. Um, right. And, and you're you're not actually there as a guest. You're there as the window dressing. Right. You are there to, to make the table look good. Right. Um, and so we need to learn when our voices are being used for that purpose. And that only comes with making mistakes. And yeah. so I think he made a mistake in this case and that he uh, he allowed himself to be put in a, in a situation where his voice was used. Um, it was used to legitimize um, white evangelical foolishness, essentially. Um, and so he ended up in, you know, it, so that's why I said it was a setup from the beginning. Right, right. Well, and I think what, I mean, all of this, right? I mean, I, mean, I think what gets me is uh, several things. I mean, to frame the conversation in a sense of the white blessing, for me, I mean, I look at it like, okay, you know, Freudian slip, but it's like more than a Freudian slip. It's like, man, you going into how you really, you know, uh, think. And uh, here's the thing, and I will give Lecrae credit. Like, I think old boy, was it Dan Cathy, was like, you know, he wanted to give him a hug. And, you know, Lecrae was like, hey, can you give me some stocks and Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't need your hug. You know, get, let's get some stocks. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all right, all right, all right. But exactly from the jump. And I, I think what gets me, though, Doc, is, is the... The sense, particularly from Lecrae, and again, you're right, I don't want to just keep bashing, but I think what the setup for me, at least the symbolism to that, is that so many people, and I will say it, black folk who are still trying to work in the system, like you get these calls, you get these emails. Just last week, I got an email from a cat that, honestly, I mean, we haven't talked with each other in years. He's a white guy, does urban stuff, and... Um, I'm just kind of like, and, and, and his whole premise was like, Hey, can you talk to our church about, you know, race? We're a white church. And, and, you know, we just, I just think you're the, you're the one. And I, you know, and I'm kind of going through all my questions and ultimately I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the one. I think you yeah. need somebody like lighter, like, uh, this, this, no. Um, so I'm wondering like, what do you think in terms of that? I mean, how should we be responding as educators, as your therapist, uh, and just in general, right? Because I feel like white folks are trying to put their heads around this. And so they reach out to their closest black friend. Like Lecrae is probably their popular black friend that they're like, hey, let's just reach out to him. And he's done a couple of concerts and he's black and he fits the criteria, right? It's like, how should we be responding to some of these things? And not to tell people what to do, but how, to, how do we get educated around some of these yeah. conversations? Yeah. So I think this is this is very critical because um, there are a lot of white people who are stepping into this space of learning about racism for the first time. And they're reaching out all over the place. They're reaching for everything, for everybody and saying, hey, come help me. And there are all these invitations coming. And we have to be, um, our, you know, wisest serpents. 
when yeah. it comes to discerning between these invitations, right? And figuring out not just whether, part of it is figuring out when people are ready for our voice. So knowing what voice we bring to the table um, are and, 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 and what people are really trying to do. So a lot of people are doing this because they want to check the box that says, I am anti-racist. Right. Mm. They and, and they really haven't. They're, they're brand new to the work. They haven't read anything. Right. Uh, they. And so if you have somebody who hasn't done any reading about racism and anti-racism, then to me, that's not the place that you need to go. Right. And at least for mm. me, this is not the place I go. I don't generally do racism one on one talks with people. Yeah. When I step into a space, I'm like, I'm not here for the brand brand new folks. If you're brand new, you need to do some work on your own. And part of that is I need to see some investment. Mm. It's just like in therapy, right? Many therapists, when they're doing sliding scale fee, they at least charge something, right? Yeah. It's like, if, I, if I'm going to charge you $5 because you need to have some buy-in. There it is. And so what we need to make sure is that when we are getting these invitations, people have some buy-in. They're doing some work. They're not just expecting us to show up um, and um, give them a word and then make them feel like, okay, they have done their their good white people duty, right? Right. And that is what a lot of people are doing is saying, I want to have a space, so let me open it up. Let me talk about it. But if they don't know what they're talking about, if they haven't done any work to lay the groundwork, then they are not ready to engage in conversation. They're not ready to engage in productive dialogue. They need to learn the, the language, um, so somebody opening up with white privilege is a problem. You find the language of white privilege. White privilege is the, the toned down version of white supremacy. Right. Because right? that, that's the real word. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. The real word is white supremacy. But we've been being nice and saying white privilege. And you have a problem with that. And so part of it is even before white people step in, they step in to these spaces enacting white supremacy by trying to control the dialogue. Right. So they did this from the beginning by deciding who was going to be there, um, what stage it was going to be on, who got to ask the questions, right? All the questions, the questions were pretty much all asked by Louis Giglio. Every turn that conversation took, he was the one directing the conversation. Right. Um, and so, and then the dictating the language around it, right? Mm -hmm. All of that is part of it. So you need to know who, where you're going, who these people are and what work they have done, what work they're committed to doing um, before this conversation and after this conversation. That is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. That is the real truth. And I think there was a tweet here that I was looking at. Um, let's see who put it. I think it's Peter Chen uh, who said, white evangelical churches are not used to following, only leading, organizing conferences, sitting on panels, writing books, going to be a huge challenge for them to recognize that in this moment they need to sit down listen and learn um yes. and that this isn't going to be just like let's go read one book and then we got the we got the you know we got the solution now you know now we just need this again you know let me hug it's like no we're talking about it's like it's like i was saying i've been saying this like the last few weeks it's like i appreciate that Black Lives Matter, you know, at least the 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 branding of it is now in a lot of different spaces, right? But I'm like, what I'm looking for are police convictions. Like, okay, that's great. They're getting arrested. Okay, but I want convictions and systemic change, like actual systemic change. Because I feel like, Doc, we've been in this conversation before. Like, we get to a certain point, and I feel like a lot of 
evangelical folks, white evangelicals, just want to get to a place where they're not so uncomfortable. Yeah. And whatever that yeah. means to do, like you, you even said it. He's like he's the one directing the, the conversation. He's the one directing the 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 uh, the things. Like you said, they should have been in the audience listening, <laughs> <laughs> taking notes. Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, there there there's so much of this um, symbolic um, solidarity, right? Um, so um, or what I call performative solidarity. Yes. Um, yes. You, you, you want to make it look like you're an ally. Um, and that, and we, we've seen this, um, white people are, have generally been less concerned about racism than they are about being called racist, right? If you name racism, they get more upset about the fact that you're calling them racist than about the actual injustice you're pointing to. And I think we're seeing it now in that everybody wants to be seen on the right side of history. Yeah. Right. And so I walk around my neighborhood. There are Black Lives Matter signs in like about a quarter of the arts. Everybody's getting the Black Lives Matter sign in in my neighborhood. Um, This has become the new thing to prove you're you're a good person. Right. And part of that is people are reaching out and they want to read a book. They want to hear something. They will even want to hear somebody yell at them. I think I think there's this sort of sadomasochistic element of um, white progressives and that they're okay even with a person of color coming and yelling at them Mm -hmm. to tell them, you know, the ways that they are found wanting in race like that. And then after that, they feel like, okay, I got beat up on. I've done my duty. Right. Right. But again, Right. What we're talking about is not you feeling better about yourself. It's not you feeling like we had a good, honest conversation. Is stop killing us. Yes. Right. Like that. That is stop killing us. That's what we're saying. We want police to stop killing us. We want justice in the system. Um, that's what we want. Is we want systemic change. Um, and so, at no point did they really talk that much about policing. You know, they talked about it a little bit, but they made sure to say we have a lot of good police officers out there. Right. Um, And so they still didn't get to the heart of the issue. So a lot of that, the the function of that conversation was ultimately to make them feel good about being allies. Right. And then in the Christian world, we as in black people and other people of color, we aid and abet that when we say, well, we want to lead them with grace. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then what we do is we privilege the feelings of white people. And this is this is one of the challenges um, in in a lot of anti-racist dialogue. This whole reconciliation yes. um, language is that we are constantly privileging the feelings of white people and centering the feelings of white people. So it's always, well, how do I say this? And you could see the wheels spinning in Lecrae's head. Yes. You could see it. I don't think I don't think people are giving him enough credit for that, right? That I don't think it was just that he agreed with them. I think he was genuinely trying to say, okay, how do I say this in a way that doesn't make me seem angry? How do I say this in a way that opens up dialogue? But the thing is, that's not our responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> that's not our responsibility. Right. That's their responsibility. To stay committed to the dialogue is their responsibility. Come on. To, to to be okay with anger is their responsibility. We're supposed to be angry. They're killing us. Right. 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 And so right. this responsibility we have that ends up what it does is it prevents us from telling the truth. 
right? If I, as a therapist, you know, I tell people this all the time, I'm a systems therapist. And so as a systems therapist, I worked with families Mm. and my job in working with families is to get to the heart of the dysfunction in the family. The way you get to the heart of the dysfunction in the family is not by dancing around the issue, by not by making them feel good. It's about seeing the patterns that play out and then telling the family directly, why y'all keep doing it? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's about right. pointing it out directly and it's about disrupting the system. We talk about it um, that we have to break the homeostasis of the system. You have to shake the family up. You have to rattle them. You have to get them out of their comfort zone. That is the only way you change systemic issues. It is the same thing when we're talking about racism. We don't get we don't move forward by being complicit with the system by playing nice. What we have to do is confront the system with its hatred. We have to confront the system with the anger, with the hostility, with the injustice. We don't hold its hand. Holding its hand got us Donald Trump. Yes. We need to stop holding the hand of white Christians because this isn't getting them anywhere. We saw this in 2016. So we've got to force them to deal with the truth of the matter and stop making Folks like Dan Cathy think that because they walk across the stage and rub our sneakers with some shoes that somehow everything is okay. Wow. Wow. That is the truth. You just said it. The 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 complicity, the holding. I think that's what got me the most upset with Lecrae, because I felt like he was trying to still hold the hands. And I think what got me though, Doc, if we really want to go therapeutic, is that I know I used to do that. And that I used to try to figure out like what is the right thing to say and how do you say it in this way so that they can understand. And again, that hand holding, which that's again, that's all the fucks that left me in 2016. <laughs> After that, I was like, man, I man, you get I'm throwing that nasty hand over there. It's yeah. like we ain't we ain't holding hands no more. Cause it's yeah. not getting us anywhere. Like you say, right. they they killing us. Right. Right. And see, the thing is, even when we think about it therapeutically, when we do that, it's, you know, it's kind of what um, social psychologists call the foot in the door technique. Right. So sometimes you appropriate the language of the other person. Mm. You say, okay, that's the language you're using. Mm. I'll appropriate that language. But then you have to subvert the language. And at no point did Lecrae subvert the language. Right. And so that requires a whole different skill set. So don't do that if you're not prepared to then come through and undercut that. And that's how. So when you do that, that's just a way to get in. But then you got to cut that thing. Right. And you got to turn it on them. And he was not able to do that in in that setting. You know, and so what they did was they walked out of there thinking white blessing is okay. That whole conversation ended with them thinking that was okay until the backlash happened. Right. Right. And I think the other thing, too, that gets me is like, oh, but then, you know, we had a conversation offline. I feel like those are the things that right that happen as well with that. It's like, oh, but then there was this other conversation. But no, that needs to be if you have the public forum, you have the public stage. That stuff needs to be said right in that space right there. Like I haven't heard white blessing. It's like I'd be like, all right, I got to stop you right here. Like we need to have a conversation about what you just got through saying in regards to that. And I think. And then to turn around and then to go in on your sisters, like you to go in on black women. I'm like, oh, that just, that was a real bad taste in my mouth. That was like morning breath taste in my mouth. I'm like, I got to brush my teeth after that one. God, please. So this is so, 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 
you know, kind of the, the numerous sins that Lecrae committed. First, he allowed himself to be used. Second, he didn't address that thing, um, the white blessing foolishness or the several other things that they did. He did not address it directly and on the spot. And the third was the way that he came for black women who dared to criticize him. Oof. And so that was the that was kind of, you know, because before that I was trying to be like, OK, I understand what he what it's like for him to be in that spot. But then when I saw the the trail of conversations with Candace Bimbo, when I when I heard that he had blocked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Anthea Butler <laughs> and I'm thinking these are sisters who are trying to come at you and say, why didn't you do this? And now suddenly you're tone policing. Now right. you care about tone. Right now, now all of that grace and mercy and the love with which you were trying to come at these white people, you can't have for your black sisters right now. They get the brunt of your anger. Um, And at no point did he offer a just apology to them. He came back with excuses. Um, He came back with, well, this is what was happening to me the day before in the street. Okay, that's good. And you still owe them apology. Right. 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 Like, and so it's it is it is that which also shows you are catering to white supremacy mm. because you're offering them love and grace and mercy that you don't offer to black women. Right. 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 That and that one, that one also stuck in my crawl. I was just like, wow, man, this is like playing out like some. Like you gonna take that all that stuff out, and Richard Pryor even talked about that. It's like, man, it's like you get beat up by the police. You gonna take that stuff out on somebody? And at least he was real with it. He's gonna take it out on kids and my and my wife, right? You know, and it's like, wow, like, dude, that is right. The tone policing, and rather than taking the humility that he says he's praying for, mm-hmm. right, and being like, you know what? Let me just sit and listen. Yep. I, I apologize, but I realize that that those are just words. You know, it it's it's pushback. I'm gonna do the yes. you know the doxing thing online. I'm gonna try to use my platform. I'm gonna say, bro, bro, you need, yeah. bro, <laughs> golly, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the stuff continues. We got this brother out in Atlanta, right? And a man mm-hmm. dies after being shot by Atlanta police. Um, yeah. I'm forget I'm forgetting his name. I can't even keep all the names. Yeah, Rayshard Brooks. Rayshard Brooks. There we go. Yeah. Right and. I mean, listening to the story, we're reading it and understanding it. And I was just like, man, if cops can take Dylan Roof in, because today here we got Juneteenth coming out. It's right. Today is the day, which I will add that I didn't even learn about Juneteenth in any of my schooling. It wasn't until I was with the Nation of Islam and I was a year out of high school and I was doing a community organizing concert. And they were like, young brother, do you know about Juneteenth? That's today. And I was like. I have no idea. I mean, right? So I did, just yeah. just just the knowledge of that 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 stuff never even I never ever got educated on any of that stuff in high school. I had to go out and that was something that came, you know, outside of that. But like if you can get Dylan Roof to go and and, and you can you can go and get him a a, a hamburger, right? At, at at Burger King. Right. Right? He just killed. He just killed. Brutally killed. You already know the man has weapons. But you're going to shoot this brother running away who's drunk. You already had his car. You know you're going to be able to arrest him eventually. Right. Again, I'm just like, after them people died in the Twin Towers, we weren't talking about like, no, oh, well, you know, let's forgive our oppressors and let's forgive. Maybe we should have sit down and have a conversation with Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. I mean, I think we should really pray through this. No, 
It was jets and bombs and, uh, you know, mission accomplished. We wanted blood. Mm-hmm. So what you think all them people out, you know, when you see somebody like it's like a, that's I, I know Dave Chappelle has his problems. I get it. I get it. I get it. But man, that uh, what was it? 846 or that 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 show that he put on. Have you seen that? Yeah, doc? I haven't seen that yet. It was I was just like, wow, this is this is deep because it's like he's hitting on some of these things. It's like yeah. when you see your cat that you see your 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 people's being killed in the street. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. of course, people are going to show up yeah. <laughs> in mass. So, I don't know. How? What about all the, the, the protesting and uprising? I wanted to talk just a little bit about that because I know that's still been on the heels. It feels like a lot of that has gotten swept under the media cycle. Um, I know here in Chicago, they still, right? They still out, you know, not necessarily burning, but they're, they're, people are still out. And a lot of those, those I will say that a lot of the cats that were doing the looting, at least here in Chicago, were white anarchists, were white cats from the suburbs just showing up. Right. Trying to start shit. And and we were the ones who were the ones being blamed. Okay, the police were coming after us, (laughs) even though we were the ones trying to keep the peace. If we want to talk about peace, um, I don't know about other cities, but I mean, you know, what is what does that look like? And then what is, you know, how do we navigate some of these these waters, Doc? I'm I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Yeah. I mean, this is a this is. You know, people have used the word moment, but it really is a continuation of the movement um, and of the movements for Black lives. Um, But it is taking on a different tone because of um, white anarchists, some of whom think they're helping, um, but some of whom are actually folks who are trying to stir up trouble and who are just trying to use these movements to stir up trouble. So it was the same thing in Atlanta, the burning down of the Wendy's and when it happened, um, the assumption was that it was the black people because it was in a black neighborhood and that's who did it. And then the pictures came out of the suspects and there were two white people. Mm. Right. Um, and so that's who was who actually set the place on on fire. Um, but it gets lumped in with the protests and it is hard. You know, it, it is hard. There have been sustained protests across the country. Um, and I feel like even if there's a lull, like right now, um, I don't know of any protests tonight, but I do know in um, last night in um, Decatur, which is, you know, kind of a suburb of a- Atlanta, they, um, there was a large crowd that gathered as they took down a Confederate statue. Mm. And this was actually something that the, the city did. But people had been trying to get them to do this. Um, it was a couple of years ago that they tried to get them to, to take that down. And the city said that they can't. So I think what we are seeing is not just pop-ups here and there. I think there's something sustained here. Um, And I think also people people keep ignoring the groundwork that's been done by grassroots organizations on police reform and the way in which Black Lives Matter. um, I think there's there's a a couple of other groups that have been doing this work um, at the local levels um, for years now, since Ferguson, some of them before right, right. Ferguson, right? And that a lot of what we're seeing is actually sustained movement. But what is happening is we get these new forces that are coming in. Um, we It's taking on a different form. There are more white people getting involved. Um, so I don't feel like the movement, even if the protests, some of the urgency might seem to die down, um, because if you see in Atlanta, it picked right back up. I mean, this is where we were talking about Ahmaud Arbery, 
you know, a couple of months ago. Um, and the movement picked right back up with um, Richard. And there had been sustained, there, they had shut down uh, a freeway just a couple of days before that. There have been small, more um, fragmented vigils um, all around our city. So different neighborhoods and suburbs, places that we never thought would have a protest are having protests now. Um, and it might be smaller and, you know, it's just a couple of hundred people standing outside of the little, the county um, city hall or something like that, a county complex. Um, and they're holding these vigils. And so I think what we're seeing is something new, um, but it, it is something new and it is also a continuation of, of the past. So I don't think this issue is going anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I think it's up to us to hold their feet to the fire. Um, we cannot allow um, governments to come back with these, um, again, performative solidarity. We cannot yes. allow them to come back with these small moves, right? So, yes, they are arresting the officers. Yes, this is an advance over what we've seen. Mm-hmm. They are charging them. Mm-hmm. But we also know the criminal justice system, our law, is stacked towards giving police immunity so that even if they arrest them, you know, many of these officers, they're going to get off because the law, it's written into the law that if there's any sign, um, if they feel at all that their lives are threatened, right, that they are going to, they can get off, right? And so we have to work with juries. We have to, we have to work to change the laws um, that give police this qualified immunity. Um, yes. We have to work to change this training. Our police, I'm listening to Alex Fatale's um, The End of Policing right now. Mm, mm. And um, when he breaks down all the ways that our law is structured towards police, that even if police simply, you know, we talk about, well, most police are good. Even if most police do their job, it would still result in a racial bias in the criminal justice system because the policy is designed to result in bias towards black and brown and poor people. Mm. And so we need to move beyond that, right? We need to change this attitude that police have that is them against us. And so that anytime they're in an encounter with a black person, they go in thinking that their job is to come out alive. Right. And so they're already keyed up and ready to, to reach for the gun. Right. We, because they're thinking we're a danger. They think the public is a danger to them. If you go into a job doing that, how can you ever serve the public? Exactly. If I was as a teacher, if I thought all my students were out to get me, I can't possibly serve their interests. Ever, really. Ever. Nobody does that. Right. Right. If if you're a physician and you're serving people and all you're thinking about is I might get sick from serving these people, you are not going to serve them well. Right. Right. It's like that no other no other profession gets to do this, to treat the people as though they're they're the enemy. And so we need to change that mentality. So there's so much that needs to be done throughout the entire process. So we don't need to, to, to just think that arresting the officers or even convicting, if they get convicted, is going to solve the problem. There will be more Breonna Taylors. Mm-hmm. There will be more George Floyds. There will be more Mike Browns, more Richard Brooks. There will be more and more and more and more 
if we don't dismantle and reconstruct the entire system based on justice. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I think about it's not even about people say, oh, well, they need training. It's just like, no, there's plenty of evidence out there that police can restrain themselves. They will use alternate methods on on other, you know, other folks who are, you know, ramming cars into them and they're still issuing restraint. And and, and, but like you said, it's it's the beginning with this is this person is a threat. They're black. They're threat. They're. Um, and you know, part of it is that, and then it's, it's the ideology around that, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's burnt in that, you know, particularly black folks are this threat. They are the ones who are stealing. They're the ones who are doing these things, you know, and, and quite honestly, the, 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 the embedded racism that, you know, that we have, we know that, you know, white supremacists and neo-Nazis join police forces because if you said it's that collective immunity that they have, um, I can go out and, and do things. I remember when I was doing some research on, on like, like looking at Vietnam vets and, and asking them like, you know, what's, what's war like? What is, what is, how does that, you know, affect? And I remember Cat saying like, you know, I went back, I reenlisted, you know, so that I could get back into the field because I knew that if I continued with really what they were naming was post-traumatic stress disorder, right? That's their PTSD. But if they continued on it in, in regular society, they would get arrested, they'd go to jail, but they mm-hmm. re-enlisted because they could take that yeah. stuff out yeah. and actually, you know, and actually, you know, get it out. And I'm like, wow. And, you know, and I think about that with police officers, how many join just because, you know, there, there is that sense because you don't have to do that much training, right. you know, to be, a, to be a police officer. You don't even, yeah. you know, so, oh my gosh. Um, Doc, what uh, what's giving you hope these days, or what's not giving you hope? Where are you where are you at in terms of just uh, uh, just life in general? I mean, it feels like there's just a lot going on. I mean, yes, it's the summer, but um, you know, I know our my institution is they don't they don't have a clue about what to, what to th- what to think about the fall, right? I know they're they're a small private institution, that's so they're thinking about money. They're thinking about if they don't have students on campus somehow, some way that they're going to lose out on all that stuff. But in the meantime, I'm just like, man, I'm the youngest in my department by easily 22 years. Uh, so all of my faculty, right, are in the high risk um, category. So to ask them to come back to campus, that, yeah. so I don't know, what do you, what, what's going on for you, yeah. Doc, as we're thinking about I mean, since, since COVID-19. Right. going on, right? I mean, we thought 2020 was going to be the good year. We were going to get some some relief from everything that's been happening over the past few years. There right. we go coronavirus, we got police like killing everybody. We have this. Now what is becoming a global revolution um, because the issue of policing is a global problem. Um, The way that police are being trained, there's a lot of global connections around that. And so we're seeing people in Paris and London and South Africa are all picking up this same thing. So I think for me, um, where I find hope in all of this um, is the fact that more voices are joining, joining the struggle. I don't think all of those voices that are joining the, the struggle are knowledgeable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think they're all necessarily thinking um, what I think or what, you know, what it would take to, to really get to justice. I don't think they're there. Um, but the reality is we don't need all of the people to be on the same accord. We just need enough to facilitate change, right? Um, and so I am, I am encouraged by the fact that there are more white people 
trying to take responsibility for racism. Mm. They're learning about it, at least, right? Um, I've got neighbors. Some of my neighbors have figured out what work I do. And so now, like, when I go for my walk, <laughs> right. they're like, I heard about your book. I'm, right. I'm, I'm reading your book. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> right. But I'm encouraged by that, um, that in this little suburb, all of these people are putting they're putting up the Black Lives Matter signs. And yes, part of it is because it's become it's become popular and acceptable. But that's still a sea change. Right. That's a yeah. little bit of a shift. And often what we need to to um, engage systemic change is just a little shift. And we don't need it from all the people or even the majority of the people. And so I am hopeful that we will see some change. We are, we are seeing mayors being willing to talk about, okay, yeah, there's a problem in policing. Um, and so that those are things that four years ago, we couldn't get them to say, right? We couldn't even get them to acknowledge that. Um, and so I'm hopeful for that. So I often do try to look for the little signs of, of, of growth mm-hmm. and change because that encourages me to keep going um, because this work is hard. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, as always, I get hope out of my family, um, mm. nurturing relationships. Um, it is important now more than ever to find ways to stay connected to community, to find community, even if it's virtual community, um, and stay connected with it and stay grounded um, in the movement um, and, um, and to stay grounded in those relationships that nurture us. And so that sometimes means saying no to certain invitations because you know what? Those don't nurture me. Um, And these ain't my people. (laughs) And uh, and being willing to say that and own that and say, okay, I can work with you on this, but that doesn't mean that you get to be all up in my space. Um, And so I think we have to learn how to do that and how to honor ourselves and honor those folks who are, um, who do stand by us um, and who do really sustain us for, for this work. Amen to that. I like that. I mean, that's that's a good word. I mean, I think I know it's it's definitely been a, a a struggle. I've I've started seeing my therapist again. I mean, I started even before all the uprisings and stuff started. It was just this, you know whole COVID nineteen. I mean, and just the the weight I think of the year, seeing the amount of people that look like me and you that are affected by this this virus. Um, I know at one point it was, uh, this was on Alex G's um, podcast, uh, Black Like Me. He was talking to somebody out in Madison, Wisconsin. He was just like, at that point, this was back in March, early April, late March, early April. The the bulk, it was like 98% of the deaths there in Wisconsin had been, were all African-American of, wow. of COVID-19. Wow. And that's like, wow, that's, that's just, it's just shocking, right? And, and, yeah. and at the same time, it just, it enrages me in so many other ways as well. So that's a good word. I, I appreciate yeah. that, Doc. Um, where can folks find you? This is this has been a great conversation. And, and, and again, for those listening, I literally texted the good doctor, Shaniqua Walker-Barnes, and asked her, like, can you just come on? Can we have a conversation about this? And and she did. So I really do. I really appreciate this. This seriously made my day. Um, but where can folks find you and definitely get this book? Um, I actually quote, I'm, I'm writing a textbook right now on intercultural communication, and it's an intersectionality uh, mm-hmm. approach. Uh, so I've, I've been quoting it and trying to, you know, push people that way, you yeah. know, to, 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 to read it. Um, but where can, where can folks come at you and, and talk to you and pay oh, you? you? Yes, yes, and pay me. Um, you can find me on um, Instagram, um, Twitter, and Facebook at, 
at Dr. Shaniqua, that's my handle uh, across social media. Um, you can find the book, um, Amazon is out of stock. I bring the voices of my people, a womanist vision for racial reconciliation. Right. Um, they they had it back ordered, got another shipment from the publisher and ran out of that one. And so the publisher has sent them another shipment, um, but you can also get it from Bookshop, which is um, will connect you with independent book dealers, um, Barnes and Noble, and you can also get it on um, the Erdman's, who is the publisher um, website. But um, again, that's I bring the voices of my people, a womanist vision for racial reconciliation. And an excellent read. And for those of you who are listening, I will put all this in the show notes as always. And also the podcast that the good doctor and I had uh, a while back in the season, I remember it was like the beginning of the season four uh, on, in regards to the book. So you can hear that in detail um, and spend some time, especially for those of you who are listening, who are still trying to, Again, educate yourself. This is one of the reasons why I have this medium. And so when people ask, well, what do you think about this? It's like, oh, well, you know, in season three, we talked to this person, you know, go back, click, do some of the work that uh, that you, you should be doing. Um, has Lecrae reached out? Has he got a copy of the book yet? I don't think he's gotten a copy of the book yet. Oh, I hope he does. Lord though. have mercy. I know. <laughs> Lord have mercy on that brother, man. Well, thank you again, doctor. I really appreciate your insight. All right. Thank you so much.